Tonight, we are recording episode 20, Just a Little White Lie. Lying is something that we have all done. When we lie and someone calls us out on it, our response is usually, oh, it's just a little white lie. Everybody lies. So what are some of the things that we are lying about? Sometimes when we lie, it is to spare hurting someone's feelings. Other times we lie to make ourselves look good or as if we have it all together when we don't. When we enter the church doors on Sunday morning and we are greeting other sisters and brothers in Christ, and they ask about our status. We are afraid to tell them, okay, or not too good at the present moment, or I'm going through trials at the present moment, but I know that God is good. Forbid if we get real. No, we have to say really good, or I'm doing good, or better yet, oh, I'm fine, really fine. The last one was one of my favorites until I saw how jacked up that made me feel afterwards. If I was not fine at the moment and I tried to outwardly act like I was happy-go-lucky, my emotional and mental state knew that something wasn't matching up to how I was really feeling. It would actually cause me to experience the trauma symptom of having dysregulated emotions and depression. Go figure. A few months after I started noticing that that was happening, I read a psychology article stating that it makes your emotions harder to regulate when you do this. Not that we should wallow in self-pity or anything, but when you think about it, We are really one way and we are trying to signal our emotions and body to do a quick 360 degree turnaround in order to be okay. It's like we're putting on a false show and there's no nothing wrong with us giving ourselves hope, but putting on a false show 
actually is giving your body the incorrect signals and thus your brain is getting the incorrect signals. What else are we lying about? We lie about our jobs. We lie about the kind of cars that we drive. We lie about our marital status and whether we were at home when someone tried to reach us. When we at work and the ladies or men are in a huddle talking about their kids and their extracurricular activities, material possessions, or their socioeconomic statuses, we lie about ours to feel like we could fit in with the group. When we are in church, small groups, we lie about our woundedness for fear that everybody else will have lighter sins and issues than ours. We don't want to look too broken. We have to look as close to Jesus perfect as possible. When we lie and head to the perfection side of things, we actually call someone else to miss their opportunity to know that they are not alone. And then not only that, but we quench the Holy Spirit and miss out on our blessing in the process. No matter where we are, we find ourselves lying about our intentions to others. We come to them telling them one thing. However, our agenda is often another. And then in a lot of cases, the persons that we are lying to is totally unaware of what is going on. One thing about being actively in the pursuit of lying, there is always someone who witnesses what's going on. And if there isn't, and the other person doesn't know what's going on, God knows. And such is the situation that occurred with David. David was on the run from Saul. He was without food and weaponry. So he took a trip over to the land of Nob. He went to Ahimelech, the priest, and lied to him about his intentions. And I am reading from 1 Samuel, the 21st chapter, and starting at the first verse. David went to Nob to Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech, the priest, the king sent me on a mission and said to me, no one is to know anything about the mission I'm sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from, men, from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us, as usual, whenever we set out. The men's bodies are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there, except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord 
and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Eli, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. David made the assumption that lying to Ahimelech would prevent Ahimelech from getting in the crossfire of Saul's hunt for David's life. What David didn't anticipate was the fact that Saul's right-hand man, Doag, the Edomite, would be hanging a round knob, witnessing the whole transaction that took place between him and Ahimelech. Therefore, Doeg was going to give Saul the report according to his perception of what he saw. David underestimated the demonic forces that he was dealing with. If Saul was willing to kill his own son, what would he do to someone who wasn't? So, what ended up happening? Just as we're thinking, Doeg tricked on David. Basically, he said something like this. Saul, guess who I saw over in Nob today? Getting a Himalek's blessing. Here is the exact scripture of how it played out. Now Saul heard that David and his men had been discovered, and Saul was seated, spear in hand, under the tamarisk tree on the hill at Gibeah, with all his officials standing at his side. He said to them, Listen, men of Benjamin, will the son of Jesse give all of you fields and vineyards? Will he make all of you commanders of thousands and commanders of hundred? Is that why you have all conspired against me? No one tells me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is concerned about me or tells me that my son has incited my servant to lie in wait for me as he does today. But Doeg the Edomite, who was standing with Saul's officials, said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Ahimelech, son of Ahitub at Nob. Ahimelech inquired of the Lord for him. He also gave him provisions and the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Then the king sent for the priest Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, and all the men of his family who were the priests at Nob, and they all came to the king. Saul said, Listen now, son of Ahitub. Yes, my lord, he answered. Saul said to him, why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and a sword and inquiring of God for him? 
so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me as he does today. Ahimelech answered the king, who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard and highly respected in your household? Was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king excuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing at all about this whole affair. But the king said, you will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your whole family. Then the king ordered the guards at his side, turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because they too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. But the king's officials were unwilling to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. The king then ordered Doeg, you turn and strike down the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He also put to the sword Nob, the town of the priests, with his men and women, its children and infants, and its cattle, donkeys, and sheep. But one son of Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled to join David. He told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, I am responsible for the death of your whole family. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill you is trying to kill me too. You will be safe with me. David's lying caused Ahimelech and all of his household, except for one, and all the other priests of Nob, including women and children, to be killed. And this was all for the sake of getting food and weaponry, where, in fact, if you think about it, David had gone to the Lord for everything else in prayer. And in this particular instance, he allowed the fear of Saul and his jealousy and rage cause him to forget to go to God and ask God for provision. He took matters in his own hands and someone else had to suffer the consequences. The last thing that I want to talk about are the lies that we tell others about our stewardship. When we find out that others are giving more money than we are, we tend to lie about how much we're giving. When it comes to lying about stewardship, we are lying to God, not men. If we were able to, we would go back in time and ask Ananias and Sapphira about this. The Christians over in the book of Acts were on fire after being filled with the Holy Ghost. They operated on one accord at that time. And if there were any brethren in need, they would sell their additional land and then offer it up to the disciples. No one was without. Ananias and Sapphira sold some of their land, their desire was to keep back part of the money for themselves. 
they could have expressed this to the disciples, but they didn't. Selling your land was a pure act of heart and will. It wasn't a forced situation at all. The thing is, they wanted to appear super generous like everyone else. Unfortunately, their lies caught up with them and the cost was their lives. Their lies caught up and the cost of the lies were their lives. I'm going to read from the book of Acts in the fifth chapter. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept back part for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. So this is the point here where Sapphira could have came forth and told the truth. But she decided to do otherwise. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And so the question that I would like to leave with you is this. What little white lie are we telling that could heap disastrous results? Thank you again for listening to another episode of Healing Our Brokenness. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. I've seen the world 
from his great love How could I know what he could love How would I have seen what he had in store for me If I didn't give up Love that refines Yeah.